0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 167 of The Yacking Show. This is the show to awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in, and it is really changing every week as we speak. As always, we have interesting guests. Today is, is a really interesting person, but it's not my job to introduce guests. Kathleen does it a lot better than I do. So first, let's welcome Kathleen from Waterloo, Ontario. How are you doing today, Kathleen?
1: I'm doing great, Peter, and um, it's really raining here today, but at least we had some wonderful weather yesterday, so I'm I'm, I'm digging is. that. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments, so do please keep those coming. <clears throat> and as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Ken Cook. Ken, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so
2: much for having me. I'm doing fantastic.
1: Now, you are the co-founder of The Prepared Group, a strategy-first marketing group. For our audience, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to start this particular group?
2: Yeah. So the the short version is uh, I was working at a large agency, um, and they had ended up dissolving my department. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I had a client offer me a year's salary to start my own company. And that's how we started. Uh, just about a decade ago now.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. So, what, what got you into the marketing consultancy group business in the first place? Okay?
2: Yeah. You know. So, so I had uh, worked at a very large marketing agency, basically right out of college. Okay. Um, f- for about four years, and had actually gotten pretty decent at it. Uh, was trained by a guy by the name of Rusty Russell and SEO who was one of the original godfathers of the concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started doing it in the early 90s with companies like Disney and AT&T and some others. Um, and so so I was pretty good at it and it wasn't what I was thinking I would do for a career, um, but I had a client, as I said, uh, offer me a year's salary to start my, my own company. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of have kept going down that path, if
0: you will. Wonderful. Uh, Yeah, that's an offer that's really hard to refuse, isn't it? (laughs) It
2: it really is. You know, when someone believes in you because you've produced results for for them, I think there's this thing of, you know what, I I think I can keep doing this and Mm -hmm. I don't want to disappoint this person. And I think this is a big issue in the marketing industry in general Mm -hmm. is the vast majority of agencies, in my experience, they want to get paid for work. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, the vast majority, if not all, and I'm sure there's an exception, but I've yet to find it, uh, all business owners, they do not wanna pay for work. No. They wanna pay for results.
0: Results, yeah.
2: Right? And and so, I, you know, we're kind of on a bit of a crusade to tell marketing agency owners, look, there is a way for you to produce great results and to get paid more for doing the same work. Yep. If that makes
1: a little bit of sense. Makes so, a
0: lot of sense,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> So Ken, what, what services do you offer?
2: Yeah, the, the only thing that we do is we license intellectual property to marketing agencies. It's the only service we provide. And that, that, I, that IP is typically around the creation of marketing strategy systems and processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can okay. you
1: dis, distill that down for us a yeah. little bit? Um, so, so what exactly does that mean? So I pick up the phone, I'm in need of some marketing help. I, I ask you... Uh, you know what? What can you guys do for us?
2: What, yeah. what does that look like? So, well, mo- let me st- let me start with with the kind of the first couple of things, and then I'll answer that question really directly. Sure. It, it was in the seventies, late late eighties, late seventies to early eighties that Michael Gerber started writing the E Myth. Okay, and in Gerber's E Myth, he basically lays out this argument that says the heartbeat of small business and really of all business, of all organization is systems and processes, right? And he quotes Mm -hmm. this really important phrase, you've got to work on your business, Mm -hmm. not simply in your business, okay? Mm -hmm. We're all familiar with that. Mm -hmm. As you start moving forward, what we've done, uh, and, and this is built on the backs of a great number of people that I won't mention all of them, is we've, we've taken this idea and we've applied it to the concept of marketing. Most people do not understand the difference. And this is the, the biggest source of confusion that I see between this idea of marketing as tactic, Facebook mm-hmm. ads, Google ads, mm-hmm. right? Content, um, SEO, et cetera, right? Newspaper, right? Going back as far back as you want. And this idea of marketing as strategy. Okay. Okay. The simple reality is there is a big difference between tactics and strategy mm-hmm. and the problem that most businesses face today is that they are hiring tactics without strategy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. I see that. It was,
2: it was Sun Tzu in the art of war who said the general who makes many plans wins.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's the general who makes few plans who loses. But, but what happens today in the marketing world, if you will, is some guy cold calls somebody, right, runs a Facebook ad for somebody and gets on the phone and somehow sells them a service called marketing. They know absolutely nothing about the person they just sold. Mm-hmm. They don't know why that tactic is the perfect tactic for them. What they know is they have something to sell and this person is is interested in this thing called marketing. Now to make things even more confusing, you will hear the term Facebook strategy,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Ad strategy, Google strategy, SEO strategy. If we were to really think about this very carefully, what they're saying is, I'm going to give you a tactic strategy,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which doesn't really make yep. a lot of sense,
0: does it?
2: No, that's true. Okay. Why? Because let's go back to where we started. Every business owner wants to pay for results, not for work. And so, so what happens here is the business owner hears the term strategy, and they say, "Yes, I need someone to help me figure out all of these things."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the savvy salesperson who's selling marketing services understands that if I position the doing as strategy it's far easier to sell what I have to sell. Sure, sure. That all makes sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. We see a lot of it.
2: To answer your question, Kathleen, we sit on the planning side, right? And we train other marketing agencies and ultimately clients through agencies to say, you have to plan first. You have to understand who you're selling to, how you're positioning to them, why they should buy from you, et cetera, and so forth before you start spending money, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and here's, here's the very interesting thing. The number one thing I hear from business owners is this, well, my business would be great, but I just don't have enough leads, Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're a business owner, you have no doubt said this at some point in time. Right? Yep. When you, if you were to come sit on my side of the table and you were to dig into these businesses and you were to forensically analyze them and say, what's actually going on here? Let me break down to you what actually happens with lead flow. One out of those 10 leads that comes in the door is a hot prospect who is ready to buy today. And that is the person who they sell, okay? Mm -hmm. And let's say they've got a 50% close rate, that means they're gonna need 20 leads to make one sale.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Okay? Three of those 10 prospects that come in the door are warm. And by warm, what I mean is with some level of effort, you can get them to buy in the three to six month Mm timeframe. Okay. Question for you. How many businesses have systems and processes in place to do that warming?
0: Very few. Mm -hmm. Very few. Okay. Very few.
2: Now another third, right? Another three of those 10 that are going to come in. They're ready to buy, but likely not for six months to two years. They're a cold prospect, Mm -hmm. right? They're a good fit, maybe in some time, right? Maybe they've got another relationship or another challenge. But with enough um, effort put into it, again, through long-term nurture, you can convert them into a client, Mm -hmm. okay? Those last three people, my my favorite is Clayton Mass says it this way. I don't know how those last three people got here, but they're there. Those three people aren't going to buy from you no matter what you do. No. We can just ignore them. And so, so simple question, if you sell at a 50% rate, right. And one out of uh, every 10 leads that you get is a hot lead, right. You certainly have in your mind, a leads problem. Yes. But what's the reality of the situation? The reality is you don't have a leads problem. You have a leads processing problem. Yeah. Because there's no system and process to deal with that three to six month batch, there's no pro- system and process to deal with that six week six months to two years batch. What happens once those kinds of systems and processes are in place? Well, now that same let's say hundred dollars to generate ten leads, right? Of which one buys, instead of let's say it converting to one customer, let's say it converts into three. Mm-hmm. Well, you just either for the same dollar amount grew your business by two X, right? You made two X the sales for the same month or, or you reduced your lead acquisition cost, your cost per sale by 33%. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. When I'm talking strategy and answering the question, Kathleen, what is it that you actually do? Mm -hmm. We're looking at systems and processes and structures within an organization to say, how do you actually market effectively, not necessarily first, where should I market
1: or Mm
0: -hmm. how should I market?
2: Those are important questions, but those are down the road questions.
0: Sure. Sure, sure. And, and I got to say, and with the technology we have available today compared to 20, 30 years ago, it's not that difficult from the technical point to keep track of those people who are only going to be ready to buy in two years time or six months time, right? Right.
2: Well, I, you I know, just, is the direct mail industry, mm-hmm. right? Going back to Claude Hopkins in the 1900s, yep. keeping track of this.
0: That's right. Technology That's right. makes it faster, but we've been able to do this for a very long time. Sure. Sure. I, I just had a beautiful example of exactly what you're talking about. Um, a, a woman sent me an email the other day and said, you know, I haven't heard from you since my last email. I'd like you to try the service. And I thought last email, but she'd sent the previous email she, she had sent to me. And I look back and it was six months ago. And she said, then I wrote to you a year ago and you haven't responded. So I just thought I'd tell you once more about our product. So she's been sent me three emails, only three over the course of two years. And the third one was sufficiently good. And the fact that she followed up, I was intrigued enough to go and look at that product and have taken a trial on it, right? So there's a prime example. But that's one out of, I don't know, how many hundred sales emails I get a year that um, took that trouble. So I got a question for you. You talk on, on um, You mentioned a phrase, a predictable revenue framework to help your clients succeed. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, so here's
2: the idea is there has to be a roadmap. Mm -hmm. There has to be a roadmap when we're creating systems and processes Mm -hmm. and and a means of prioritization. So the way that we've done this is we've said, look, we're going to start where things are most important. Organizational positioning, right? And how do we bring people in? And we're going to work from there to how do we capture those people? How do we database that information? How do we segment it? We're then going to look at how do we create those nurture systems and processes? How do we sell those people? Right, And in the selling process, there's two really big marketing steps that so many people miss. First is how do you create an irresistible offer,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. right? Something so good that the person says to themselves, I would be an idiot to walk away from this, okay? And secondly, how do you use pricing as a lever to maximize the value of your organization,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: okay? From there, we wanna look at how do you onboard someone effectively, right? Uh, I believe it was the Harvard Business Review. There was an article, I think it was 2018 ish that said um, effective onboarding increases client stickiness by seven X. Wow. Oh, save it. Save it. I, really, I, I really want you to think about this. I want you to imagine that you've gone through a selling process with somebody. Okay. Anybody pick, pick who it is. It's taken you, let's say a month to go through and finally decide you're going to buy from this person. Okay, You write them a check and you hear nothing. Now On their side, they're busy working, but you hear nothing. Mm-hmm. A week goes by, nothing. Two weeks go by, nothing. You're starting to feel, maybe I've made a mistake. It doesn't matter the quality of work that they're starting to produce on their side, right. because the experience that you have, to quote the great Peter Shankman, is crap.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Most Americans are used to being treated like crap. And the reality is that simply by going one step above that, you can win in this marketplace. And -hmm. that's why the next piece of this is what we like to call surprise, delight, and while. In other words, how is it that you can take this person and make them feel meaningfully valued by you? Right. Because they are meaningfully valued by you.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Right? How many people that you do business with actually care about you? Okay. From there, we're looking at upsell, right? which mm-hmm. is not just upsell, but it's cross-sell, it's continuity, it's all of these other things. In other words, what do they need next? And this mm-hmm. is not a, how do I make the most money possible? But notice the question, what do they need next? next yeah. Imagine if every business you worked with mm-hmm. said, you know what would be best for you next is to go talk to, to that guy over there or to buy this from me or to go do this. Because I believe this is where you're going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, referrals. Right. right. Referrals are the lifeblood of business. Sure. And the simple reality is I, I really, I, I ask, I've asked this question more than a thousand times, probably more than 2,000 times in the past 10 years. And I want to ask you guys, okay? And I want you to think about the nature and importance of this question. Do you have a systematic documented plan for extracting referrals from every customer? No, no No one says no. no. No one says yes to this. Okay. But how many of us would say referrals are one of the most important things that can happen for my business? But we don't take the time to do the strategic work to say, how do I garner those referrals? How do I pull them in from everybody? What would happen... Like, like Dropbox, I don't know if you guys know this, Dropbox, the reason Dropbox yeah. is what it is today is because they've obsessed
0: about referrals. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. right. And paid paid customers for giving them referrals by right. ex, extra storage capacity, right? Right. And so they looked at what
2: would it take to get you as a person to give me another customer for free,
1: mm-hmm. right. right?
2: Now, extra storage capacity in that time, but functionally free, right? Right. I really think about this, their viral coefficient their k quotient as it's called right that number was 2 which meant for every person that i brought in as a customer i gained two more call me crazy but that's a bit more effective than even covid it spread
0: yeah <laughs> that's I, right like <laughs> yeah, I, yeah yeah
2: yeah these guys infected the entire world so rapidly mm-hmm. Because they obsessed about this, and these are the kinds of systems and processes and structures that I argue, if every business had these in place,
1: right? Yep. So, can, you say that um, it's. You mentioned in your website on your website that the use of tools, products, and programs are very important to the success of a business. Can you tell our audience about some of those tools you would recommend?
2: Absolutely. The first one right off the bat is you've got to have a killer uh, marketing automation CRM tool. Okay. The simple reality is if you don't have a machine following up for you, you Mm -hmm. will follow up inefficiently, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Now, most people say to me, but Ken, that's so impersonal. Okay. Here's my theory on automated communication. One, it doesn't have to be one way, but two, it's not impersonal it's personal communication that's written to a person I just don't know yet.
1: Hmm.
2: Good point. These are things I would say to you if I knew you, but I don't know you yet, but I'm gonna plan to say them to you anyway, okay? Secondly, you have to, have to have some way to understand the numbers behind your business. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: In a number of my businesses, and and I own five, uh, we use a tool called Wicked Reports. Wicked, Wicked Reports? Wicked Reports. Scott over at Wicked Reports, what what they've done is they have built a tool that will tell you how people come into your business, at what cost, how much they spend, and they will visualize that over time and give you the data necessary to say, is my marketing effective or not effective? Mm -hmm. And you will know to the penny because it connects your CRM to your accounting software your marketing Mm. chain right you will know to the penny what does it take for me to earn money very good okay Uh, just just off the top of my head those are two of the most important things that i would say from a marketing perspective you have to have you have to have a means to to communicate in math
0: and you have to have a means to understand your numbers very Um, good so i i think i may have met one of your former clients um Personally, <clears throat> about 16 years ago, I've been a farmer a lot of my life. So 16 years ago, my wife bought me a Leatherman utility tool, which we couldn't get in Africa. You know what I'm talking about, right? Farmer hangs mm-hmm. it on the belt. I've got a small one, pair of pliers. Okay, right. So <laughs> it comes with a lifetime guarantee, right? Yeah. So I was helping a, a dairy farmer friend out in the dairy barn, and the pipe clip was stuck, and I used the screwdriver on my tool incorrectly to try and lever something out. And I broke the blade. So I knew that was a lifetime guarantee. So I sent them an email and said, can you send me a new blade? I don't, I don't want to trouble you sending the thing back to you. I'll put it on. They said, no, no, no. We, we guarantee our tools, but we want to do the repair. All it's going to cost you is mailing it to us. We'll mail it back free of charge. Now, I'd had this thing for 15 years right? and they were really on the ball. They said, this is what you do. This is how you pack it. This is where you send it. And it, and I had to send it somewhere in Canada. I didn't even have to send it to the States. They have a collection place here. And I said, it'll take three or four weeks. And they said, if it's irreparable, can we send you a new one? Or is it a, an emotional attachment? I said, well, I think it's repairable. I'd like this one back, but if not, sure. And sure enough, three or four weeks later, beautifully packaged. Back came my tool with a new screwdriver blade. The knife blade correctly sharpened. The whole thing cleaned up. Beautiful condition. And I think this is an item that costs 40, 50, 60 bucks or something. It's not like a car, right? And they took all that trouble. Um, so they, they were, I was really impressed with that. So I think that's a company that does some of what you're talking about.
2: That's, that's precisely, like, 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 Kathleen, I really hope you saw this. Do you, see, do you see the smile on his face? Yes. And did you hear him communicate <laughs> to us? I can't believe that for $50, someone gave a damn about me.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's exactly.
1: Yeah, and and, that's and just to right, finish right, that. Somebody actually just, cared. cared yeah, like right. But to yeah. finish
0: that, so if I want to buy a male acquaintance or if my son needs a new one, I'm not going to buy anything but a Leatherman, right? If someone says to me, oh, I like your tool, where should I get one? I say, Leatherman. You can only choose a Leatherman. So...
1: That's a plug for Leatherman.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and I don't mind giving them a plug. They deserve it. Let me tell you. So, you know, they're a local company here in Portland. I thought so. Right? I thought so. Cool. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I seem to think they were in your part of the world. Yeah. They that's why I thought yeah. you might've, you might've been advising them.
2: No, no, they, they're, uh, they started long before us, long yeah. before us. But, but that's, you know, one of the interesting things is we, we talk about all of this kind of thing for small business. The reality is, there comes a point in the size and growth of a business where they set their culture. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and then things like that become the cultural norm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: True. Sure. Th- think about this with me for a second. Just just really think about this. I want you to imagine that Apple had this process, and that at Apple, if you brought in your broken laptop, they were going to take it. They were going to package it up. They were going to do whatever they could to fix it. And then they were going to send it back to you. Would anybody buy anything but an Apple computer? Exactly. Ah. Ah. Mm-hmm. No, no other, no other company on the planet would ever sell another computer. Hey, you're right. Right. Okay. Right. If Samsung took your broken phone and the policy was uh, you come into whatever store that you bought it from, and we will that local store will give you a voucher to go repair the screen with a local provider, or you can mail it to us and we'll provide the screen for you. Would you ever buy another phone, huh. right? Right. The simple reality is what it takes to win a business is actually caring about your customers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, mm-hmm. right. And if you can find a way, and, and and this is the key, that care cannot be occasional. I've heard this a lot from people where, the, where you'll ask them, well, what happens if there's a problem? And the owner will say, well, if there's a problem and I'm there and I hear about it, I will XYZ. I want to contrast that with what made the Ritz-Carlton the Ritz-Carlton. Every employee was empowered to spend up to $2,000 to solve any customer problem, real or perceived. Yep. No questions asked.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And doesn't make but a cursory internet search to see things like, um, I guess, talking about their sister that they hadn't seen in three years and the hotel flies her in and she's there Ah. the next day, right? Uh, A a teddy bear that's left behind that comes back home with a photo book of all the places around the hotel the teddy bear was visiting. (laughs) 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 That's that's an honest, good, true story, right? When you you look at these kinds of things, you say to yourself, you know what? Yeah, they may be $200 a night more expensive,
0: but I know
2: that if I have a problem, they're going to take care of it. I, I've heard, I've, I've had friends personally who've said, you know, I was staying at the Ritz and there was a problem with my luggage and I didn't have something that I needed for the next day. And, and I simply went to the hotel and I said, look guys, uh, I feel a little bit bad about asking this, but here's my situation, can you help me? And they do.
0: Yep.
2: Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just that they do, it's that anybody there can. Right? right. It's not, it's not, well, the upper management can, let me call a manager. It's every employee is empowered. When we're talking about yeah. creating a culture, creating a company where things really, really make a difference because you actually care.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. It starts with empowering everybody within the organization.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And, and, and here, here's, what's interesting is, is you can take, I want you guys just to mentally take this concept And I want you to meld it with the concept of McDonald's and systems. McDonald's serves 67 million people a day around the world.
0: Yeah.
2: 67 million people a day around the world, primarily with teenagers. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I want you to imagine that though, that you had that level of systemization and that level of care. Is there anything in this world that could stop your business? No.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We're we're moving on, and I've yes. got a question I've got to ask you. But I think it's time that Kathleen's going to ask you her question.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ahead. Kathleen, I
0: could. now I'm watching the time, and I'm very conscious of Ken's time as well. So, um, I need to ask you my burning question. But at this oh, okay. point, we, we I, I do we... have a
1: good, I have a good question here. It's okay. It's, so it's widely known that half of all businesses fail within the first five years. Why is that exactly?
2: Have you heard me talk about this before? Is that why you're asking? Because this is a topic (laughs) I preach about constantly. Okay. I want you to imagine these these economics with me for a second. Okay. The average business's net margin, net is 30% or less. Okay. Okay. Many businesses, small businesses, net less than 20%. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
2: Now, I want you to imagine that you as an owner, you have two decisions. Uh, either I get bigger, which means I take some of my net profit and I reinvest it into the business. By the way, typically in marketing, right? Because that's how I get more customers, more leads, etc. Or I pull it out of the business and I enjoy my life. Those are your two options,
0: mm-hmm.
2: okay? When a business invests in marketing that is strategically unviable, when they buy this commodity that is called marketing that is actually not marketing, right? But is actually a product that is being sold to them by that name that in most cases does not work, mm-hmm. right? What happens? It is the, It is the business equivalent of me taking and setting up an IV in your arm and just letting the blood flow out.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Net profit is the lifeblood of businesses for two reasons. One it's what keeps that owner driven, right? If you, mm-hmm. if you said, look, I'm going to keep doing this, but I'm not going to make any money at it. How many people are going to ultimately fail? But secondly, how many times do we invest dollars in marketing that bring no return? and ultimately cause a black hole into that business. So why do 50% of businesses fail? I don't believe it's because 50% of people have bad ideas. I don't believe it's because 50% of people have uh, an incapability of being an effective manager. I don't even believe it's because 50% of people um, are, are ignorant as to the concept of business in general. They don't know how to make it work, okay? I believe that the I believe that those are three contributing factors,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but I believe that the largest contributing factor is that people, business owners, are constantly putting mark, money into marketing and receiving nothing back. Nothing back, right? It was the great Peter Drucker who said, "Business is marketing and innovation; everything else is cost." Yep, it is. So what happens? Yeah. What happens when that marketing becomes cost? The business fails. Yep. Yeah. The business it does. Fails. And so that's that's why I believe that happens, Kathleen.
0: Very good. So my my question is the other side of that one. And You've had many years of experience dealing with many companies, many successful ones, and obviously, from what you're saying, some that, that weren't successful. So if you're looking at the the owners, leaders, managers in those businesses that drive them to success or failure, is there one key characteristic, habit, trait, some personal thing that differentiates the successful from the ones you don't make it?
2: Yes. Absolutely, unequivocally, yes. Successful leaders are constantly learning.
0: Right.
2: The average fortune level CEO reads sixty-five books a year. In the past five, in the past five years, that number has increased from sixty.
1: Wow. The average
2: the average small business owner, these are business books, by the way. Mm -hmm. The average small business owner in this country reads less than three. The average entry-level employee reads less than one. Mm -hmm. Okay. The primary difference between success and failure is what exists between your two ears. Right. You are not feeding that with knowledge constantly. And I believe books are the single most important Mm -hmm. means of knowledge that we have. Lectures are great. Podcasts are great. Right. YouTube, Vimeo, however else, all great. The process of taking one of these that has been edited by a group of people distilled and, and simply uh, made more simplistic, right. More keen. You take that and you digest that and you take those ideas and apply them whew, virtually unstoppable.
0: And yeah. Thank you for that. That's yes. a very good. And, and <clears throat> curiosity learning has come through. We asked that question of most of our successful guests, all of them. And that's uh, that's a common one. <clears throat> you know, Curiosity. let a little bit further. I, yeah.
2: I, I, I first, when I, when I majored in philosophy in college and I tell people, uh, uh, dot killed my love for reading because when you have to read pages and pages of partially translated French about French politics to understand a philosophical idea, reading no longer becomes fun. Okay. And so here I am a few years, maybe three years into the business. We're not doing great, but we're not doing terrible. And I asked myself, what would it take to grow? I don't really know. I hear an interview with Condoleezza Rice, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and she said, every time George Bush saw me, he asked me what I was reading. And the expectation was that it was always something new. I then said, well, how much did George Bush read? Because that guy, everyone said he was an idiot. How much did he read? When George W. Bush was president, he averaged eight books a month.
0: Eight books a month, and he's president of the USA.
2: And we're talking. Wow. We're talking like the biography of Lincoln, which is an 800-page monster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I found those statistics that I just quoted to you about CEOs, and I said to myself, "There's something to this reading books thing." Okay. So the first year, I decided to start reading. I read 80 books. Okay. Our business grew by more than 200 percent. Wow. I then I then read over 100 books, and our business again grew by over 200 percent. I then in one year read 133 books. It's 11 books a month. Our business grew by more than 300%. Wow. Wow. And and you might say, well, well, Ken, how do you have time to grow with all of this time wasted on reading? I hear this so often. You know what? The time wasted on reading, quote unquote, is what led to me walking to the office virtually every day saying, hey, I've got a new idea. I think it's a better way of doing X, Y, Z than what we're doing now.
1: And here you are. Here, we are. here you
0: are. Right. Wow. Oh my
1: goodness. Thank you for
0: that. That is that is really impressive. Very good. It really, good. really
1: yeah. was. And it looks like we're out of time, but Ken, tell our audience how they can contact you. Yeah, the best way to connect with me
2: is either through LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, you, you can uh, it's LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash Kendall Cook K-E-N-D-E-L-L cook. You'll notice the cowboy hat when you get there. That's how you know you're in the right place. Uh, or you can visit our website, thepreparedgroup.com. And we'd love to uh, have you reach out to us through that as well.
1: Well, you know what, Ken, I think we would love to have you back on the show because you're just a wealth of knowledge oh, and uh, of so, so valuable for our audience. So yeah. thank you so very much for, uh, for joining us today. And uh, we thank all of you for tuning into our show. And once again, we'd love reading your comments. So keep those coming. And um, until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Goodbye, everyone.